You are listening to Shining Star Community Church, English Ministries Sunday Message. Please visit us at www.shiningstar.life. We are almost at the finish line. We're almost at the end of our pathway series. For, for those who are new or maybe have come in halfway, what we've been doing as a church is going through something called the pathway series. And what that is is just going through our mission and vision statement and going through our core values of what Shining Star is. And just to reiterate one more time, I want you to really understand who we are as a church, our vision, our mission. Our mission is to know and enjoy God. That's it, to know and enjoy God. That is the, the main thesis, that is the main point of our church. That is why we are here, to know and enjoy Him. Our vision is to rescue, reclaim, and revive a broken world for His kingdom. And then after those two, we went into our core values. We believe and trust in the authority of the Bible. That at the end of the day, it is inerrant. In other words, there's nothing wrong with it. There's no fault in the Bible. That we believe at 100% that it was written and breathed through by God. We next went into the preaching of his word. How important it is that we understand that the preaching and teaching of his word is vital to the community of believers. And then we went into the power of prayer. What does prayer mean? How is prayer important? Is prayer really the lifeblood of the church? The answer is yes, right? And then we went to the importance of evangelism, how we are supposed to warn others and how we're supposed to encourage others to know who he is, but not only those on the outside, but those on the inside as well. And then we went into the greatness of worship, what it means just to put your hands up in surrender, telling God, thank you for what you have done. Thank you for all the things that you have given me. And then we went into the cost of discipleship, what that means, what it means to really be a disciple, what it means to lay down your life daily. And then we went into the authenticity of relationships in the church the authenticity of relationships in the church, the community aspect, why it's so important for us to belong to one another. And now, and now, brothers and sisters, we are going into something called biblical stewardship. In other words, what it means for us to understand how to take care of what God has given us, how to take care of the things that God has placed in our lives, to be good stewards of not only our finances, but of our time and our resources and of everything. Biblical stewardship. And so for me, as I was thinking back on how to really convey this message to you, as I was praying, I couldn't help but think back to my previous sermons that I spoke here before. The first one was on Ecclesiastes, right? Uh, Life is random and everyone will die. Right? That was kind of the, the main point. But then at the same time, we talked about how we were made for eternity, how eternity is actually in our hearts, and that's where we should be going. 
And then after that, we talked about uh, Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel, and how we're supposed to warn others. We're supposed to rebuke others. We're supposed to do everything we can to tell those on the inside and those on the outside because a sword is coming. And now, as I was going into and studying into biblical stewardship, I realized, man, my sermons have been dark, right? My sermons have been really not the nicest sermons. And as I was thinking about that, I was really praying over that because I'm not usually a dark person, you know? I'm not, I'm not normally a fire and brimstone type of pastor. I, I listen to those types of pastors, and I think that they have their giftings, but that's not really my style. But for some reason, as I was preparing those previous sermons and I was thinking about this one, I was like, maybe that's what God has called me to be in this time. Maybe God has called me to be a pastor who warns, who uh, encourages, but is also able to rebuke in this season of life for Shining Star. But the thing is, the more I thought and prayed and researched and did all that stuff for biblical stewardship, the more I realized that a lot of us have a fundamental misunderstanding of what biblical stewardship is. A lot of us have a misunderstanding of who God really is to us when it comes to stewardship. Because I think for a lot of us, and this is myself included before, that when we think about stewardship, we think about a God who demands from us. A God who says, you know what, I want you to give, and if you don't give, then I'm going to punish. And if you don't give of your money, that if you don't give of your time, then I'm going to be lacking something, so you need to give to me. I created you so that you can give. And so a lot of us have this concept of God as someone who is judgmental and who demands from us. But I believe our God is much different than that. I believe our God is someone who is loving. Our God is someone who cares, someone who desires a relationship with you. And one thing that happens to us is that we mix his position with his interests. We mix God's position with his interests. You see, we believe in God as a God who demands us to give. And yes, that is his position. In the Bible, he explains over and over again, you must give. You must obey. Listen to me. Listen to my commandments. Listen to what I'm trying to do for you. And a lot of times we just focus on that position when, in fact, he has his interest over here. And his main interest is to be with you. His main interest is to have a relationship with you. And that's it. He desires you. You see, the main point of biblical stewardship, the main point of today's sermon, if you don't take anything else, I want you to take this away. That God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your time. He doesn't need your service. He wants you. He wants you. He wants a relationship with you. He knew you before you were born. He'll know you far past your death. He knows every single hair on your head. He knows you and he loves you and he wants you. All of these other things are simply a means for him to grow in a relationship with you. That is the main point of biblical stewardship. We mix up this position and this interest. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. A couple weeks ago, we had that 
crazy was a wind hurricane, right, that came around that, like, destroyed trees and uh, homes. And I know that there's some, there some of us who did not have power for days. Uh, on that day, for me, I ended up losing power at my home also. And so I uh, went to a cafe. It was packed. I went to a library. It was crowded. But I started to study. It was fine. And then at night, I, I prayed hard. I was hoping that the power would be back on. And so I came home. I turned on the light switch, and it still didn't work. Right? So maybe I didn't pray hard enough. But I prayed, and it didn't work. So I ended up calling my brother. And I said, is it okay if I sleep over? And he said, okay, that's fine. You can come. Right? And so I was thankful that he had an extra bedroom. And so I packed up some of my things. I went over, and it ended up being such a big blessing in my life. That, that wind hurricane was such a big blessing, simply because I had the opportunity, I had the chance to spend uninterrupted hours with my niece and my nephew, something that I actually hadn't had in such a long time. I was able just to spend time playing with them, loving them, hugging them, just, just spending time with them without anyone else, with just me and my niece Ada and my nephew Junior. It was, it was so good. But there was an incident that happened. After, after we ate dinner, right, I went downstairs with them into their playroom area, and my sister-in-law had given me a dessert. It was a, like a cookie, right? It was a cookie, and it was, uh, we, I had a cookie for Junior, I had a cookie for Ada. And so I brought that all down, and they were playing, and so I put it on the table, and I said, Ada, Junior, there, there's a cookie here. If you want it, you can go eat it. My cookie was still there. I was still full, so I didn't want to eat. Right, I, was, I was okay with waiting a little bit. Ada immediately comes over, takes the cookie, eats it, runs back playing. I'm on my phone, I'm just chilling. Out of the corner of my eye, I see this little baby come over, waddling over, right? He grabs the cookie, his cookie. I can see him thinking. He grabs my cookie and quickly runs away, <laughs> right? I'm okay, I'm fine, I just my cookie, right? But. I will allow him to go. I will allow him to take it because I was still full. I was okay. And so I see him go. But as I'm watching him run around, I see that he's enjoying his cookie. But the other cookie that he's holding, he doesn't realize that it's crumbling next to him. He's holding it so hard that it's crumbling, right? He is like, he is, like enjoying it so much that he, this is crumbling, right? And so as he's walking around, I see that, and I want him to enjoy that cookie. I, I love him. I want him to have all that he can have and enjoy it. But I saw that by the time he finishes this cookie, that one's going to be gone. And so I said, Junior, 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 come here. Junior, come here. Give me the cookie, please. Give me the cookie. And this is, I've never seen this before in my life, but he turns to me, looks me straight in the eyes, He's double, still double-fisting these cookies, right? He's looking straight in the eyes, and then I see him slowly go backwards like this. <laughs> like a gunslinger, like in the Western races, like this. He can barely walk forwards, but he's able to have this type of foot-eye coordination I've never seen before, and slowly go backwards like this. And then he immediately runs and turns and goes away, right? For this, for this little boy, for this little child, he thought that I was taking from him what he thought was his. It was actually my cookie to begin with, anyways. 
but he thought that he was able to take, he was able to keep those two cookies, right? And he thought that this person in front of him just simply wanted to take away what he thought was rightfully his. But instead, for me, all I wanted was to give to him. I wanted to save even more from him. I wanted him to enjoy what he had. But he didn't realize that. All he saw was my position. All he saw was the person that was trying to take from him when he said all I wanted to give. And so it's, it's ridiculous. It's crazy because there's something that he didn't realize either. That I didn't even want that cookie to begin with. I had seen him lick it a couple times. I lost my appetite. I didn't want it anymore. And this is something that he didn't realize either, that there was a box of cookies upstairs that I could eat at any time. I could. I could eat it at any time. But for him, in his mind, all he saw were these two cookies. He couldn't comprehend the, the fact that there were cookies outside that I could get at any time. How crazy is that? And yet, that's the exact same way we think about God. That's the exact same way. Because we believe in a God who at times can just take from us, who just wants to take everything away from us, when in fact, he owns everything. When in fact, God has an infinite supply of absolutely everything. And it's far from it that he wants to take from you. He wants to give to you. That's what he wants to do. He wants to bless you and bless you and bless you. But at the same time, all we see are our two cookies. All we see is the money in front of us. All we see is the limited time that we have, and we are not willing to give that over to our God. And so this is my first point. Everything is God's already. He has no need for our things. Look, I'm, I'm six feet tall, right, on a good day, right? <laughs> but I don't know why I said that. I'm always six feet. I'm usually six feet tall, right? Even you know, every day, I'm six feet tall. Junior is a foot tall, right? <laughs> Let's be honest. Junior's a foot tall, and yet he still ran away from me. I like, he ran. Like, I've never seen him run that hard before because he thought if he ran hard enough that he could avoid me. He thought if he ran hard enough that he could keep those things. And we think the exact same way, that if we hide what we think is ours, that God is not going to take from us. We see God, he will take what is rightfully his, because it's not about the things that he wants to take. It's about having a relationship with you. He wants you, so he will take away whatever is standing between you and him. Colossians 1, 16 through 17, if you could look in there, I'm going to read it for you guys. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I think this is such a beautiful verse because when we think about anxiety, when we think about worry, when we have these things where we can't sleep at night because of how nervous we are, I want you to meditate on this verse because if you believe this, it should free your soul because you believe in a God that has everything in control. You believe in a God that has created all things. By him, all things were created. 
that through him all things were created, that for him all things were created. And if everything is created by him, then you have nothing to worry about because he knew exactly what you were going to do 10 years ago. He knows what you will do today, and he will know what you will do in 10 years from now. He knows this. And it's a beautiful statement because in this passage here, Paul wrote this when he was in prison in Rome. He wrote this in prison. How can Paul write a letter of encouragement, of saying Jesus is everything, of saying, God, you are all good? How can he write that when he is in prison standing trial in Rome? The reason why I believe is because God was able, Paul was able to see God and say, if God wanted me to get out, he could have. If God wanted these chains to come off my feet, then he can. If God wanted to change these officials' minds, he can. If God simply wanted to move him onto a different city, he can. But there is a reason why I am still in chains. There's a reason why I'm still in prison right now. There's a reason for that. And so because I know God has placed me here for a reason, I will do my best in where I am today. And I want that to give you comfort as well in your anxiety and in your worry as well, that God has placed you in your position for a reason, that even in your difficulty there, God has placed you there for a reason, that he could take you out at any moment. We believe that. We believe in a God who is able to take us out at any single moment, but he has placed you there for a reason. He has placed you there because there is more work for you to do at that place. There is more work for you to affect where you are right now than where you could be in 10 years or in 5 years or in 20 years. That is what we believe. That is who we worship. Matthew 26, 52 to 53 says this, if you could follow along. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father? And he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels. Why would Jesus say 12 legions of angels? It's interesting. Have you ever thought about that? Because in 2 Kings, it was just one angel that was needed to destroy an entire Assyrian army. In Acts, it was just one angel who took Peter out of jail and led him out and blinded the officials. It was just one angel in Matthew who rolled the stone away and allowed others to see that Jesus was not in the tomb anymore. It was just one angel. So how powerful is the God that we worship when he can call upon tens of thousands of angels at any time? You see, that's our God. Did you know, did you know, that if you shrunk the solar system down, if you shrunk the solar system down and the sun was the size of a beach ball and you put it on the Empire State Building, that the closest cluster of stars would be in Australia? That's how big the solar system is. Did, did you know, did you know that the Earth travels around the sun eight times faster than a bullet fired from a gun? Our Earth is going around that fast. Did you know that everyone has a unique fingerprint. Oh, you did. Oh, well, did you know that everyone has a unique tongue print? Oh, you didn't know that, did you? 
I just found that too. Cool. Look, the reason why I'm saying this is because if God created all of these things, and we are finding out new things every single day with technological advances, with, with all these things added to science, and, and all these things that are happening, we are finding things out every single day. If these are the types of things we are finding out now, how much more does, did God create? How much more has God done for us that we have absolutely no idea about? Psalm 33, 6 says this, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. Our God created the stars in the sky with a single word from his mouth. Our God created the earth that we're standing in, is holding the gravity together simply by the breath of his mouth. That's our God. And I want us to not only marvel at that fact, but, that, but to realize that if he wanted to take our possessions, that he could. For me, I, I could have taken Junior's cookies so easily. He's a baby. There's no problem with that. Don't, yeah, don't, I, I can do that at any time. It's not, it's not a problem, right? But the thing is, I chose not to, and I wanted to ask him, Junior, can you please give me those cookies? Junior, can you please give me that? Because I desired relationship over simply taking. God desires a relationship with you. He desires to be with you. But it's our choice to say yes to that. We could either run away like Junior. I, don't, I, I feel kind of bad for putting him on there. <laughs> you could run away like Junior, or you can say, yes, I will obey. And that's my second point. My second point is God's blessing is through our obedience. Luke 5, verses 4 through 6 say this, And when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. You see, I'm, I'm young, right? I'm, well, I'm young-ish, right? I'm not, I guess I'm still at that weird point. But I feel like I'm pretty young still. And for a lot of you guys, I am much younger than you. But I, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I am, I'm younger than you guys. And for, I think for a lot of you guys, I'm actually much more foolish than you as well. But one thing that I've realized as I've gotten older is the connotation of the word obedience. It's changed in my life, the connotation of the word obedience. Before, when I was younger, man, I hated the word obedience. I absolutely hated it. I was a rebel without a cause, right? I just, I hated obedience. I hate when my parents tell me to do something. I hate when people tell me to do, I hate when authorities try to teach me or when teachers try to tell me to do something or when those who are older than me try to direct me. I hated that. Man, you don't know where I'm, where I'm from. You don't know what I've, what I've gone through, right? I, I hated, I hated that, right? I, I feel like a lot of you guys can relate to that. I hated that. I remember um, actually... Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was talking to a high school student, and he said something that I've said so often, I'm sure you guys have said before, I can't honor my parents because they just don't know where I'm coming from. They, they lived in a different time than me. 
So how can I even listen to them? They're, they're just so old. They're, just, they're at a different era, different generation. They, they can't understand where I'm coming from. And that was kind of my thought process when I was younger. I hated the word obedience. But now as I've gotten older, man, I, I actually have come to really appreciate what obedience is. I've come to really love the word obedience. I mean, I think as you get older, you, you want someone who is able to tell you what to do. It sounds weird, right? But the, the older you get, you want someone to be able to say, hey, this is the right path for you to go. This is the right school for you to enter. This is the right woman for you to marry. This is the right man for you to marry. This is the right place for you to go. It's difficult when you have to bear that responsibility all on your own. And so you want someone to be able to tell you what to do and where to go. For my mom, I even, you know, I told you before that I, I hated when my parents would tell me to do things. But now it's come to a point where I, I told my mom this. I said, if you, uh, mom, if you, if you find someone that you like for me, like a, a woman that you like, I don't have to really meet her. I'm good. I'm, just let's get married. Let's just go. Let's just go. I'm okay. I will, I will see her when I open the veil at the, on the well, chapel, whatever, right? I'm good. Like, let's go. I'm fine with that. It's because I trust you. I trust you. I'm, I'm fine with that. Let's, let's just go 100%, right? That's what obedience can do when you're older, right? When you have maybe gone through some things. And that's the point here. The reason why that word obedience has changed in my life so much is because I've realized to a point of how faulty I am, of how sinful I am, of the things that I have done. And so before, I thought that I could do absolutely everything. But the more you live, the more you fail, honestly. And the more you fail, the more you want to rely on something better, something better than yourself, something better than your faults, something better than the things that you have experienced and gone through. And so the only person who can fulfill that is Jesus Christ. That's it. And so that, what ends up happening for me is I've had to learn this the hard way. I remember when I, was, uh, for, when I first started ministry, it was in Boston, and I was teaching a bunch of youth kids, and they were um, not listening at all. They were just unrepentant, and they were just not doing well with me, and, and it was so difficult for me to minister to them. And so I was in seminary at the time, and I approached one of the uh, professors who had about 50 years of ministry experience. And I said, Professor, like, I'm having so much trouble getting through to these kids, and I just feel like my fuse is about to blow at any moment. Like, what, what can I do? And the only thing that he said to me was this one phrase, and this one phrase has stuck with me for my entire life up till now. And that was, he said, Danny, you know, young pastors preach truth, old pastors preach grace. That's all he said. And he said that at the end of the day, when you begin to minister, you don't really have too much baggage behind you, right? Especially when you start young. You don't really have too much stuff going on around you. But as you get older, and as you experience life and go through life, man, you're going to have skeletons in your closet. And those skeletons are going to pile up and up and up. And you realize more and more how important grace is, how beautiful grace is. 
And so that's why I've turned that word obedience that I've hated so much into something so beautiful for me because I need that grace. And what was so nice about this type of obedience is that as I began obeying my, like my uh, counselors and, and my mentors and my parents, my relationship with them has grown exponentially. And not only my relationship with them, but my own self has grown. And I think that is what obedience is for us when it comes to the Bible. Obedience is God's blessing for us because it's through obedience that God is able to form a deeper relationship with us. That's the whole point of obedience. That's the whole point of why we are able to give, of why we are able to do all these things is simply so that we can have a closer relationship with our God. He wants to give us blessings. He wants to bless us over and over again. But our job is to give first. In this passage that we read here, Simon is a fisherman by trade. He was born a fisherman, mostly. He was raised as a fisherman. I'm sure his parents and those around him were fishermen. He was taught to fish from a very young age. And so he knew what he was doing. But it says in this passage that they had toiled all night and had caught nothing. And all of a sudden, this strange man walks in who is close to the shore and says, Hey, Simon, hey, Simon, can you throw your nets over your boat? And I love what Simon, later known as Peter, says to this because it is exactly what I would have said to Jesus as well. He says in verse 5, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Master, I, I've done this already. Master, I've experienced this. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm going through. You don't understand me. You're a different generation than me. You are going through different things. I know what I'm doing right now. So just trust me that I know. Right? That's something that we will always kind of say to ourselves. It's because, you know, obedience, it requires faith, but a lot of times for us, experience dictates our life, right? Experience is the thing that pushes us, is the thing that is the way that we think, is the way that we imagine how life will be like. And so when God says to step out in faith, we get scared. We're like, oh, I don't know if we can do that. I don't know if I can do that. Because, you see, faith requires something past experience. Faith requires something that will say, you know what, it's not about your experience. It's not about the statistics. It's not about the things that have gone through in your life. It's simply about trusting in God. It's simply about trusting in Jesus Christ that he will take care of you no matter what. Obedience requires faith, and God will bless you for stepping out in faith. He will bless you. He has promised that again and again in the Bible. That is one of the main promises he actually makes to us, that if you give to him, that he will give back to you a hundredfold, 200-fold, 300-fold. But you see, he will bless you much greater than the treasures on earth where rust and moth destroy. He promises he will bless you with a deeper relationship with him. He promises he will bless you with greater things than you can imagine, that even in the most difficult of circumstances, he will give you an overflow of joy. 
that even in the most difficult of circumstances, he will give you an overflow of peace so that you can handle things in all situations. That is the type of blessing that he will give to you. And so we give because we know God will bless obedience. And we step out in faith because he promises, he promises this to lead us by example. And so this is my last point, that we are able to give because God gave us his son, Jesus Christ. John 3, 16 to 17 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. For me, I told you, I try to find those who are older than me all the time. I try to find those who are older, and I try to get a deep relationship with them. And the way that I get a deep relationship with them is that I just spend time, and I get to know them. And as time passes, I realize more and more that they have the best intentions for me. I think the, the two biggest mentors in my life is my father and my mother. They, and, and I could tell that they have the best intentions for me because of how much time has passed and how much they have done for me. You see, that type of trust comes because you realize that at the end of the day, what your parents have done, what my parents have done, is that they have sacrificed again and again for my sake. And so now I can sacrifice for them. My parents have given and given and given to me. And so now I can give back to them. And it's the same way with our God. He doesn't expect you simply to do things by faith alone. He shows by example first. When he tells you to give, it's because he has already given. When he tells you to love, it's because he has already loved. When he tells you that it will be okay in your circumstances, it's because he has gone through those same circumstances himself. God gave us his son, Jesus Christ. God knows also how difficult it is to, to give of your time and of your resources. God understands that. And I think he understands how difficult it is for us to keep our hands open, to have what is in our hands, to have these finances, resources, and time in our hands, but to also say, God, if you want me to use it, if you want me to give it to someone, if you want me to bless someone else, I'm open to that. This is yours. I think he understands how difficult this is because he understands our heart that we love barriers. We love knowing exactly what's ours and what someone else's is. For me, I, I hate sharing the bathroom. I hate it. I, I think other people have known this, but I will drive 45 minutes to an hour out of a retreat site simply to go to my bathroom. <laughs> It's not because, like, to shower and stuff, not just simply go to the bathroom, right? But to shower and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I debated about whether I should tell this story, but... Okay, I'll tell it. But <laughs> when I was younger, I had to share a bathroom with my brother, right? We, we grew up together. Well, obvi obviously, we grew up together, right? He's my brother. <laughs> but um, one, we had to share a bathroom, and as I think now, right, as an adult... I can't imagine how much he must have hated sharing a bathroom with me, right? He must have hated it so much because I'm a, I'm a normal bathroom goer, or I'm a normal, I, I go to the bathroom normally, right? I'm, everything's normal. I just have one weird thing that I used to do, 
right? <laughs> I had one weird thing. And that weird thing was that I would, it's not even that weird. I would wash my face until my nose bled, right? I would, <laughs> I would, that would be my one weird thing. I would wash my face until uh, my nose bled. I don't know why I did it at the time. I don't do it anymore, so don't worry, you know, I don't. But I, I would wash my face until my nose bled. And at that time, because I was younger also, I was immature and I wouldn't clean up after myself. <laughs> and so, you know, I would, I would do that and then I would come out of the bathroom and la 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 la, I'd just go to my room. And then I would hear footsteps go into the bathroom and I'd hear, Danny, come here. <laughs> and I'll walk in and I, thinking back now, I realized that it looked like a CSI crime scene investigation. You know, there's blood just everywhere, like all over the walls, the ceiling, the floor, like the towels. There's blood everywhere, right? <laughs> and, and so, like, man, I can't imagine how much he must have hated that. We hate sharing. I love Korea. I absolutely love Korea, but I hate their culture of sharing food, right? Okay, I, I don't, okay, don't get me wrong. I don't mind sharing food once in a while, but I hate having to do it every single time, and especially when it's soup-based. I mean, do we have to share soups together? I, I just don't. But, I, okay, look, we, what I'm trying to say is we don't like sharing, right? We don't enjoy sharing a lot of times. And so God understands this. But because he understands this, he emphasizes it even more in the Bible. There's a reason why Jesus speaks more about finances than he does about heaven and hell combined. There's a reason why Jesus, in his parables, talks about finances 16 out of 38 times. There's a reason why he constantly talks about it because he knows how difficult it is for us to keep our hands open, how perceptible we are to keeping what we want in our own little box, how we want to continue to keep what is ours and say, God, this is mine. This time is mine. This money is mine, and I will give to you when I will give to you. But as of right now, I want this money, and I want this time, and I want these resources for myself. It's so much easier for us to do that. And so God understands that, which is why he gave us his son, Jesus Christ, first. And we can't understand if we don't trust that, though. We can't understand that if we don't trust that. In the story of Abraham and Isaac, they go up to this mountain, and Abraham is trying, is, is slowly binding up Isaac to sacrifice him. At any time, Isaac could have immediately gotten out of those and run away. At any time. And yet, Isaac allows himself to be bound. And it's only because he trusts in Abraham. He trusted in his father. For us, the only way we will give the only way we will give generously, the only way we will prioritize God above everything else if, is if we learn to trust him. Is if we learn to say, yes, God, I believe that you first gave to me. Yes, God, I believe that you own all things. Yes, God, that I believe that at the end of the day that you want what's best for me. That even if I give to you, that you will bless me 100-fold, 200-fold, 300-fold. I believe that. And it's only through trust that we will be able to do that. Romans 8.32 says this, Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Will we trust him? 
And so, lastly, how do we apply biblical, uh, biblical stewardship in our lives? God, he honors sacrificial giving. He does. But I believe that God also honors systematic giving. What I mean by that is make a budget. Make a budget. You don't wake up one day and say, you know what, I want to buy a house and buy a house. You don't wake up one day and say, you know what, I think I'm going to buy a car and buy a car. No, you plan that out from a while back. We plan these things out from a very long way back and say, you know what, We're, I'm, every month I'm going to set aside this amount. Every month I'm going to do this. I, every month I'm going to set this, time, this amount of money so that at the end of the day I can reach my goal. I believe God honors that type of giving. He wants our first fruits. In other words, he wants you to sit down either by yourself or with your spouse and say, you know what, I'm going to give this percentage over to the Lord. That no matter what, even in good times or bad, this percentage, I believe, I'm going to give first to God and I'm going to do the rest for my own expenses. It's not right for us to simply look at our wallets when the offering plate is going around and decide what to give then. That's not, our, that's not the type of giving that God wants. He wants to know that he has your best, and your best is when you are systematically giving. Keep in mind that I didn't say it's about how much you give. It's not about how much you give. It's never been about how much you give. When my, my, my father, he was an accountant when, uh, when I was younger, and now he's a pastor. But when my father was an accountant, I don't believe that God was more pleased that he was able to give more during that time than he does now. But at the same time, I don't believe that God is more pleased now that my father has given away everything to be a pastor. I don't think so. And the reason why I don't think so is because my father and my mother, I've seen this from when I was young, they have always set aside a certain amount for the Lord. They have always, before they have done everything, prioritized God and allowed the first fruits to go to God and then allowed everything else to, to go to the other expenses. And I believe that is why God has blessed them so much, not only in their businesses or in ministry, but in their family and in their health and in all those aspects. God has been able to bless them and bless our family because of how faithful they've been in giving systematically, systematically. And this also means giving of your time. You guys need to give of your time. There's a saying, you don't decide you're going to do quiet time the morning of. You decide you're going to do quiet time the night before, right? And so that means that even if you need to sacrifice time with your friends, even if you need to sacrifice time with other people, it's okay. It's okay because God will bless you for that. God will bless you for that. We have a million and one ways you can serve in this church. We have teams here who can't get off the ground because we're lacking people. And so I'm asking you today, I'm asking you right now, there's a reason why you're here. And I hope that you understand and take this to heart, that God wants you to serve, not simply for you to serve, but so that you can grow closer in a relationship with him. That's it. And so I pray that you would serve. Now, I'm not saying for people who have come from a time of really uh, emptiness and of hurt and need some time to recuperate. That's okay. Take your time to recuperate. That's okay. But I'm saying for those who have been serving, who have been here for a long time, 
and who are just taking and taking. I pray and I hope and I encourage and challenge you to serve. Come into this church and serve. I don't want you to be in the church. I want you to belong to the church. I want us to work together. I want us to be in war together. Don't be a bystander. Serve. And lastly, be proactive. Faith is not blind, right? Faith is not blind because God, he showed us faith. He showed us what we can rely upon, and that's Jesus Christ. He wants to start something new in you. He wants to start something fresh in your life. But he can't do something fresh if we rely on past blessings, if we rely on past sacrifices. God wants to bless us with new things. So start now and start fresh and start new from today onwards. God wants a relationship with you. That's it. Let's pray. Biblical stewardship is, is difficult. It's not easy. Obedience is not an easy thing. But God has called us to obey, not because he wants to take from us, not because he wants to continually just take and take and take and punish us if we don't. He wants us to give so that we can form a relationship with him, a deeper relationship than we could ever imagine. God wants that from us. And when we understand his interests more than his position, man, your life is going to change. Your life will change. That service that you do, that giving that you do, God will bless you for that. He has promised that again and again in the Bible. He has promised that he will bless you continuously, that he will bless you not only for you, but for your family, for those around you, that he will bless you for that. It's through your obedience that he blesses. And so for us, man, if, if this is a challenge for you, praise God. I pray that this would be a challenge for you to, to serve even more, to give even more. Not for this church's sake, not for simply missions' sake, not for simply your friends or to counsel or to evangelize, not for those things, but for your own relationship with God. Because that's what God desires more than anything else. That's what God wants from you more than anything else. He loves you. It says in the Bible that, man, he knows, he feeds the sparrows in the sky. He clothes the flowers in the field. How much more valuable are you? He wants to be with you, and he will stop at nothing to do that. But he's going to ask you first. And so the question is, will you say yes? Or will you run away? Let's take some time to pray.